0: restructuring how they do the field day this year, Uh, so they don't need us to volunteer over at the field day like we've done for quite a number of years. Um, They're actually subcontracting out that the food and the games and stuff. So um, one of the things that we've done each year, though, is we've served in front of the church when hundreds, if not a thousand or more people walk by even before the, the parade, which I think starts at noon. So our plan uh, for the 12th, which is two Sundays away? No, is that? Yeah, I guess that would be two Sundays. I'm trying to think math in public uh, on the spot. But uh, June 12th, regardless of how many Sundays it is, uh, we plan to do snow cones and give out bottled water and things like that right in the front of the church. Uh, we did a bouncy house one year, but I don't think we're going to get that complicated this year. So we're, uh, we're going to have snow cones and... And just be able to love on the community as as they enjoy the parade and walking by and and things like that. So needless to say, we need uh, people to help with that. Um, You know, the more people we have, the less work it is for any one person in particular. Um, So we encourage you to uh, stick around after church um, on the day of the Katyville Field Day, unless you're in the parade or something. Uh, And then... The following Saturday on the 18th, there's an event in Moore's at the Moore's Campground um, called Up North Worship, where they have like a half a dozen different um, Christian artists that are gonna be performing. Uh, One of them, Brothers McClurg, we've actually had here for special concerts a couple of times, and Brothers McClurg are like, they're like up there, you know, they're, they're pretty good. So this is, um, it's been a long time coming, I think for the area. I think the last um, Christian concert that we had right in the Plattsburgh area was like 2001 maybe, I think. So, so this, is, uh, this is an awesome opportunity to, um, you know, to hear some Christian artists to, uh, they're gonna have speakers in between. And I know if you go to Um, The website, you can buy tickets. It's $30 for the whole day, um, which I think is pretty, pretty good. Um, But they've got, you know, food vendors and it's going to be a whole thing. So we, I certainly encourage you to participate if you can on that day. Um, You can see the schedule of who's playing and what type of music and all that. So you can go, you know, just to see them or the whole day or whatever. But great opportunity, encourage you to participate. And then on the 26th of June, which is uh, coming up pretty quick, so we've got Katieville Field Day, and then Father's Day is the next week, and then uh, the 26th will be a farewell lunch for Jordan and Jen as they transition um, away from ministry. Um, so we're just going to have a, a lunch, you know, potluck style, uh, and hope that you can uh, stay and wish them well as they move on. So as we transition from that time, um, the board and and me and in conjunction with our district superintendent, we're already continuing the ministry of the church. We are scheduling speakers to come and provide a message each Sunday. Uh, A lot of them will be people that you've heard here speak before. Uh, So we have, you know, sermons, regular, regular, you know, different people, which I always like the variety during a time like that, uh, because you hear a lot of different ways of preaching, you hear m- different messages. maybe the Lord puts on one person's heart um, a certain message. I know before Jordan got here there was a message that um, a pastor from Franklin County, New York delivered and it was about you know mentor this new person, love on this new person, this new person is moving to your area and they are alone and love on them and that message back then from one of these random persons that spoke to us one time was just so impactful at least for me personally so uh, we have a plan for preaching we have um, we've already started initial uh, planning for discipleship classes to start in the uh, in september Um, typically our experience has been it's really hard to do much when our summer is this short so we we uh, we set a September launch for different things. Um, we'll also be restarting a few dinner groups, so that'll be another opportunity. Uh, so just know that during a normal thing in the life of a church, a transition between pastors, things are still moving forward. Um, you know, on the on the search front, we haven't had any new applicants, um, but I did talk with our district superintendent uh, earlier in the week about next steps and and things. You know, because we're we're keeping a closer eye on what's good for us. So, so I've got an email that'll be headed to him this morning and some things that he can do for us with that. So we're keeping very very active and involved and, and just keeping the ministries of the church going. So I thought that was important. Uh, at the same point, um, another announcement, our opportunity for giving, uh, we certainly you know, can't do what we do here uh, for God without you know, your faithful giving. Um, I think you all know the ways that you can give and we certainly appreciate uh, and, and covet those, those ties and offerings as, as the board you know, works to always steward those resources um, towards what he would have us do. And just another note, I wanted to say what a blessing it is to have the little kids here. Um, you know, we, we were doing the, the prayer for the, for the worship team before service and, and Sophie just kept saying, Dada. Dad, and her love for her dad is so pure, and I think of our love for our father, is it that pure, right, become like a child in your faith, right, just like Sophie was to her dad, um, but there's also some new births that I just wanted to say how I appreciate, um, Jarrett and Kaylee Wright had a baby this week, um, Emmett, uh, Emmett's middle name was Ronald, or Elliot, I'm sorry, Emmett. Emmett is, you're, you're, (laughs) I wasn't going to use more than just Jarrett and Kaylee, but they had a baby this week, um, as well as Emma and Anthony, um, cousins, two days apart. So that'll be, that'll be cool to see. And, um, but also uh, Katie and George are due soon. Um, Katie Downey, Katie Gehrig, I think is her name now. Um, but they live nearby, so I, that would be my prayer that, that these young parents who used to attend the church when they were children, that they would come back, that they would come to the Lord, and then their children would come to know the Lord and so that we can love on them and minister to them. So that's probably more than you expected to hear from announcements, but that's what the Lord put on my heart today, so that's what you get to hear. So God bless. So I'm reading Philippians 3, 12 through 14 this morning. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting that the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize, for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us.
1: Thank you, Tia. This morning's been a, a little crazy. Um, me, uh, turn that off. There we go. Actually, I hate this thing being up here. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a little crazy. I mean, that's, that's all I can say. Uh, my daughter just peed through her diaper, uh, as, as daughters do sometimes. So that was fun. Uh, and thank you for my lovely wife taking care of that. Um, well, I'm up here with all of you. <laughs> so this morning, and we've been going through this sermon series, All Things New. Um, and we've, we've been going through sort of the, the timeline after Jesus rose, and what that looked like um, after the tomb was found empty. And um, this week, uh, Jordan asked me to preach about Saul, and Saul becoming Paul. And it's a very apt part of this, this, this all things new sermon, um, as, as, we, as we just go forward into the series. But um, I want to ask a question to begin off, or a couple questions. What drives you? What moves you to do what you do? What makes us angry? What gives you so much joy that you could burst? Obviously, I can't answer that for any of you specifically. I'm not even sure I could answer definitively for myself what that might be, Um, at least not honestly, maybe my daughter. (laughs) Today we're looking at God's calling in our lives and how Saul becoming Paul is an extreme but amazing example of God making us new. What motivated Saul to kill Christians? Saul was a Roman citizen, but also an up-and-coming elite within the Jewish religious leadership. We see him in this position. We know from all the books that he wrote, he talks about his position, and what he was and is, the intellectual that he was and is, the positions that he held, the fact that he was a Roman citizen, which was odd among the Jews, but it still gave him a stature. He was part of the the Sanhedrin, the, the legal scholars of the Jewish temple. And we see him in this position and we see the church begin to bloom after The resurrection of Christ we see the church become to form what it is and we see this leader called Stephen show up and Stephen wasn't afraid of anyone or anything and he walks into the temple and declares that he's seen the heaven open up and the son of man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. So we're going to read from Acts seven fifty four through 58, and chapter 8, verse 1. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into the heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor. At God's right hand and he told them look I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting they rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him his accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Saul was there. He was part of the killing of Stephen and continued the slaughter of other Christians. He wasn't throwing the stones in that moment, but he was there with them, approving of what had ta- was taking place. But what motivated his hatred of Christians? What was, was it his status in the temple? Was it his lineage as a Jew? Maybe it was some combination of both. No, I don't think so. I honestly think it was his love for God. But the problem is, he allowed that love to become twisted. He allowed this twisted view to affect The calling that God had given him. Now, we have this brutal scene at the end of Acts 7, the killing of Stephen. We see the Jews get riled up into what they think is a righteous frenzy at Stephen mentioning the work of the Holy Spirit in his life and God or Jesus' ascension to God's right hand. This was considered blasphemy by the Jews and so much of an egregious violation that they needed to forgo the required trial and just stone him. Saul was part of the crowd, seemingly just as incensed and angry. He didn't participate in the act of stoning, but he certainly approved and didn't do anything to try and slow the process. He didn't even try to make sure the actual process was followed. We learn just a chapter or so later that he was not only approved of of the violence of Christians, but he had begun to lead the charge against them. He is persecuting, killing, or forcibly converting any Jew he can find that calls themselves a Christian. He has found his calling. The only problem is he has allowed the culture, his peers, and his own self-interest to twist that calling, the calling that we know him to have, into something much darker and sinister. This might be a question you're thinking, but sometimes, like, how does this affect me? I don't, I'm not going to go out and start killing people, but sometimes we can be so immersed in everything going on around us that even though we may know what our calling is, we may know what God has called us to do, we've allowed the world to twist it into something it was never supposed to be. You see, Saul thought this was justice. He thought this was, he was part of the Sanhedrin and he was probably present at Jesus' trial and crucifixion. He may have even had a voice in all of it. Saul had a calling. Just like we all have a calling. And it was to do God's work by making sure God's word not only was spread, but was enforced to all the people calling themselves a Jew. At least that's how he saw it. And then... He's going through life, living this calling. And he sees this new and insidious religion called the Way. We call it Christianity today. That was leading so many Jews away from the Torah or the law of God. And he could not let that stand. His calling in his life it. If they did not comply, they would be tried for their heresy. If they resisted, they would be detained. And if they resisted too much, they would be killed. Saul is a man on a mission. And we meet him on the road to Ma- Damascus in Acts 9, 1 through 2. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath, and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He went to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Now again, you're probably thinking, Saul was a madman. Utterly crazy and bloodthirsty. So how could I ever compare, be compared to him? And you're right. What does the story of a bloodthirsty man who thinks he's on a mission from God have to do with me and my calling or you and yours? And this goes back to my question at the beginning. What drives you? What drives you to do the things that you do? What drives you to love? What drives you to cry? What drives you to get up and go to work every day? You see, for all his flaws and crazy tendencies that Saul had, he was a driven man. He knew that he loved God, and he was willing to do anything and everything he thought he needed to do to make sure not only that he followed God's law, but every Jew did too. There was a passion running through Saul. We all have good, honest dreams and goals. We may even have a solid understanding of specifically what God has called us to do but we too can allow it to get twisted and turned into something we never expected. I'm sure Saul never expected that a portion of his life would be dedicated to killing Jews. And certainly God never would want it to be that way. Not for us, not for Paul, Saul. And it doesn't matter who you are. Saul was one of the most prestigious and learned Jews of his time. He clearly had a good head on his shoulders. But we all can fall victim to these moments, to this pressure, to this pain. We all have had the thoughts are gone on a direction that took us off the path that God has called us to. How many times have you known what you were supposed to do and the direction you were supposed to go? And you're like, nah, I can just go this far. Or I don't need to go all in for God. He'll understand. He'll understand. Maybe for you it isn't that explicit. Maybe it's something as small as, man, I'm really busy right now. I can push that thing that God's called me to do off for a little bit. I don't have to do whatever that might be. You know, I'm not feeling well right now, and things are really busy. I don't and I know I was, I was asked to do this for the church. You know, I, I really feel passionate about it. I really feel like I should be doing that, but I just can't right now. I'm too busy. We push off our calling. We so often see or hear what our calling is and then follow it only when it's convenient for us. I'm sure Saul thought he was doing the right thing, certainly at the time, he felt justified at the very least, but what he ended up falling into is the same thing that we end up falling into often, what I'd like to term as a false calling. Instead of listening to what God may have been calling him or us to, he listened to others in the Sanhedrin. He listened to the high priest. He listened to the culture he was in. But he didn't listen to God. He certainly didn't listen to God's word. At least not with Stephen. Stephen. The rules are pretty, pretty explicit for the, uh, the accusation of blasphemy in the law. They make the statement, you accuse them, you bring them before a priest, and then there's a trial. Didn't happen, not with Stephen anyways. They decided to become judge, jury, and executioner. So Saul certainly wasn't listening to God. How often do we listen to the world or those around us for our meaning or our calling in life? And it still ends up falling short. It still ends up being not enough. I know for me, I had a plan. I had a track I was on. And I know I use this example way too often, but when I found my calling, what God was calling me to do, I thought I was already in it. I thought I already was doing what God was calling me to do. I thought I'll be a youth pastor or or youth leader, you know, I'll be... You know, I'll go to church. I'll make sure I'm a part of the sound team or whatever. I'll make sure that I'm doing all these things. But, you know, my calling is in IT. I'm going to do that work, and that's, that's the rest of my life. I'm going to have, you know, white picket fence and, uh, you know, live in the Corning area, move up in my job that I had there, and this is the life. I listened to the culture around me. I wasn't listening to God, and when I separated myself from all of that noise, I got around godly people. I was at a convention with a bunch of youth pastors, um, and listened to godly advice, and just listened to God. Took time to sit and listen. Prayed. And read the words that God had in the Bible for me. And I realized I realized that my calling I wasn't following it. And that God was calling me for so much more. And now I'm here. <laughs> and it's not always easy. And it's not always easily recognizable. We end up going down a path that God never called us to. Maybe it's parallel. Maybe it's close, like mine was, but it wasn't quite there. But ending up in a place that we I never should have been. Luckily for us and for Saul. That wasn't the end of the story. Saul wasn't just some blip in the Bible of this mass murder of Christians going through and killing, you know, as many Christians as he could. No. Even for Saul, God was still there. Even for us, God is still there calling us to his way. The story wasn't over for Saul, and it certainly isn't over for us. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. And notice the difference. I just want to point this out. When Saul says, who are you, Lord? It's small l. It's a different word. It's like a term of respect for someone that you know. It's like "Sir" for Saul, but for Ananias, when he hears the voice of God, he uses the proper name of God, "Lord." It's a different word. It's in Greek, so it's not. It's not. It's not all capitalized. But just, just something to to note. The Lord said, "Go over to a straight street, to straight street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again." But Lord exclaimed, "Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me to that so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stated, stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul preaching became more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Saul was on the path to take Jews back and turn them either into martyrs Or to convert them back to Judaism. He was a zealot. He was powerful. Everyone knew why he was there. And then he's taken, literally blindsided by Jesus. And he stops and he takes all of that and turns it around. No longer was he killing, converting, or capturing Jews, but he was spreading eternal life, Christ like behavior, and freedom of Christianity to everyone. See, Saul knew what his calling was, he was just on the wrong side of that coin. He knew what God had called him to. He knew it was conversion. He knew it was to spread the kingdom of God. He thought it was the Jews' version of that. He thought it was the version that he had grown up with. He thought it was what he knew. But Jesus had a different plan. Just like us, when we are on the wrong path, Jesus got a hold of Saul and completely changed the trajectory in his life. He took a man who had been on a Christian murdering spree and turned him into the very thing he thought he was on a mission from God to kill. Now, for most of us, I don't think any of us had the same sort of conversion experience that Saul did. I doubt Jesus showed up and made you blind and was like, stop killing people! But your heart was transformed. Or at least I hope it was. Saul was a changed man. We find out several chapters later that he was so changed and no longer identified with who he was, he changed his name to Paul. No longer was he the great Jewish crusader killing Christians in the name of God. Now he was the preaching madman who had to flee from the murderous rage of others in a basket and arrested, and was arrested and jailed several times. And he was freed either miraculously or through his own testimony almost every single time. Well, except for the last time anyways. He wrote more than half the New Testament and we we're still talking about him today, he was so much more than a footnote, than a murderer. We so easily fall into the trap that Saul did. We follow a path in our lives that we think is God's direction for us, and then often we fall, fail at it. Or maybe something traumatic happens, or maybe something miraculous happens in our lives and it changes our trajectory it changes the direction we go maybe it's just a still small voice calling us out of the darkness we're in and it brings us back onto the path of God it shows us the calling that we have for God for Saul that was literally Jesus showing up and blinding him and sending him to someone to show him the way that he persecuted so much. For us, it could be any number of things, but they all end up pointing us towards the calling of Christ. Even before that moment, you are still called to do something. Even if you don't feel that, or can't think of, what was my, my defining moment? I know for me, up until, you know, I actually literally got my colleague into the ministry, I didn't know what my, my defining moment where God called me, where I accepted Christ, where, where I'd grown up that way. I knew I believed in Christ. I knew I had that faith, but I didn't have that defining moment. I didn't know exactly what I was called to. I felt like I was following it, but I wasn't, and that may be where you're at, and that's okay. That is okay, but you're still called even if you haven't gotten to that moment. You're still called even if you don't know what that even means. As a Christian, we're all called to do something for the kingdom of God. It may be what you do for a career, like me. It may seem, it may even seem very simple. Something that you already do and just needs to be expanded in some way. It may... Not even seem that important to you at this moment. But I promise you, when you hear that calling, just like Paul did, you'll know. We are all called to something. It's part of our transformation as Christians. Now, I'm not asking you to become a zealot like Saul. Saul mowing down anything and everything that's in front of you. I'm asking you to figure out what drives you. To see what God has planted deep inside of you and to follow that path. And also, I want to note something. This doesn't require some deep Personality change necessarily. If we look at Paul, Saul, and Paul, they kind of have the same personality, except one's pointed towards Christ and the other is pointed towards all that other crap. The second Saul became Paul, he's still just as driven. And it's not like he became some crazy Jesus robot or something. He still loved God just as much as he did before. But again, it was pointed in the right direction. That same drive that pushed him to kill Christians pushed him to plant churches, to preach like his life depended on it, to worship God with such abandon that the literal walls of his prison fell around him. You have the same capacity. We all do. It'll look significantly different than a first century Jewish man. It'll even look significantly different than the person who may be sitting next to you right now. But you have a calling. And when you follow it and not allow it to get twisted by what your notion is of what God's calling you to, you'll find that your life will completely change. It may not get easier because that's not cer- certainly not a promise that the Bible has. It may not even be what you would call better in the end. But you will certainly have an impact. You will certainly grow the kingdom of God. You will certainly see so much change. And by the time that God calls you, not to some action here on earth, not to some heavenly calling here, but calls you to heaven, you'll see all the seeds that you planted. You'll see all the work that God was there with you, guiding you through. I'll call the worship team up. The series, again, is called All Things New. When Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he became a new man. He became Paul. He didn't just follow a twisted version of his calling anymore. He lived a God-infused version of it. when we accept Christ into our lives, we're called in the same way that Paul was. No longer are we our old selves. No longer are we following a false calling. No longer are we a Saul. We're still us, at least at a very basic level. We still have the same aches and pains. We still have our hurts and probably many of our convictions. but our view changes. Our direction changes. Almost like a weather vane with the changing of a wind. We get pointed in the direction that God wants us to walk. We do the work of God that he's called us to. We aim for Christ to be the embodiment of that change in our lives, to move us to live our calling and be so devoted to that, nothing could rip it from us. It's not easy. It may even take a lifetime for you to get to that point. But in the end, not only will you be transformed, but the world around you will look so different, you might not even recognize.